Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to episode 32 of the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. This week, I had the pleasure of talking to author, entrepreneur, and self-identified disabled person, Dylan Rafferty. Dylan is the man, and he's a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of heart. He's doing so much good for the disabled population. And in this episode, you're going to hear about what we can do and what he's doing every single day to improve accessibility for the disabled. In addition, you'll get to hear more about his story and what it was like for him to go through the special ed program at school. You'll also get to hear a little bit about how and why he ran for public office and what impact that has made on his community. So there's a lot going on in this episode. I'm looking forward to you hearing it, and it's coming at you in three, two, one. Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Dahlborg, and today... I'm with Dylan Rafferty, author, entrepreneur, and also a person who self-identifies as having disabilities. He's the man. He's with us today. So, Dylan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Tommy. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you coming on. It's going to be a blast. So, I want to start off by talking about, so you self-identify as having disabilities. What does that mean to self-identify as having disabilities? And can you speak to the climate of people with disabilities currently? So two-part question, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, for me, I'm deaf and hard of hearing. Um, I'm part of the deaf and hard of hearing community. Um, I'm deaf in the, uh, the right ear and partially deaf with the hearing aid in the left ear. Um, I also have spinal back and neck fusions. Uh, the, the back uh, fusion was due to scoliosis and based on the neck fusion it was later uh, needed for because of scoliosis. And then um, I know that I will have skull surgery uh, in the next, uh, uh, probably in the next four or five years. Uh, due to some tissue building up uh, near the skull. Um, So these are just slight to moderate type of disabilities that I have, whereas people with disabilities uh, from, and there could be a broad spectrum of different types of disabilities out there. Uh, People could have multiple types of disabilities. It could be autism, it could be, uh, in fact, you know, speaking of autism, when I was first born uh, on, on August 24th um, in 1990, uh, about a month after the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed, uh, which is this year was uh, the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, the, uh, you know, I was diagnosed with uh, doctors that I was going to have autism spectrum disorder. And, uh, but even though I did have a birth defect um, and I was hospitalized for uh, a couple of months and was in NICU, um, 
and uh, did not eat for a couple of years. And due to that time of hospitalization, I uh, did have hearing complications where I did have two hearing aids, later had surgery. And so there's a lot of different complications uh, as a kid mm-hmm. where, you know, disabilities had been a struggle and it later caused me academically challenged in, in school. Um, but for people with disabilities today in this current climate, um, you know, in this day and age with technology, uh, like we're doing right now, you know, I'm here in Texas. I am assuming you're up in uh, Maine, mm-hmm. uh, or is that correct? Yeah, so yes, Maine. Sir. So, um, and so, you know, technology is beneficial, but also has its weaknesses. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, technology today, um, are using it quite a, uh, a lot. And, you know, sometimes uh, for people with disabilities, don't necessarily have um, efficient uh, broadband or, you know, have efficient internet access. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, a lot of school districts, for example, um, in our, in, in a lot of them are back in school these days. Um, in many school districts, like in my home city of Plano, um, they provide uh, Chromebooks and uh, enabled Wi-Fi in those Chromebooks. So people and students that are, many of them are low income, have the ability to already have Wi-Fi in their Chromebooks. So they can actually uh, study and, and, and it's beneficial for people with disabilities because you know they don't have to worry about the complications of Wi-Fi. Hmm. So think about you know people with disabilities. You know, access is very very important. Um, now employment. You know, people with disabilities and technology, or you know, employment is another thing. Um, you know, a lot of people with disabilities today lost their jobs. Um, and, and that is true for everybody else. Uh, another thing is communication. We value, I, I'm a social person. Um, mm. And I'll be honest with you, when I first, uh, uh, you know, when COVID hit, uh, luckily I landed from Anaheim to Dallas uh, right before Texas announced their shelter in place. Um, it took three weeks for me to adjust myself into the climate. Mm. And so I was just curious about you. Have you ever, you know, had, did you have a period where you had to adjust? Because reality is anybody with disabilities or anybody really in general, if you're a social person, it is difficult for, you know, us to sort of adjust in a thing and shift to a mentality that we have to be at home for the rest of our lives and rely on technology for or social distancing or physical distancing and especially like someone like me who's a hugger or anybody with disabilities who just loves people Mm. i'm just curious your thoughts on that oh yeah absolutely i had a pretty difficult time when things started to get crazy too uh i'm lucky enough that my full-time job is a financial analyst so I was able to transition to working from home full-time fairly easily in terms of the work itself, but not having the freedom to go into the office to see my coworkers who I love. And then also to just like you see my friends, just go out to the grocery store and not have to stand in a line and just see people. 
that was really, really hard. Um, so the transition's been, it was, it was pretty slow for me. Um, I know it took a little while to get used to the, the new norm. Um, and luckily, as you know, like things are opening up a little bit more, but I also know cases are going up. So our future in terms of how the norm will be is still, I think, up in the air. Like they could go back to being more inside your house, not being able to go out all the time um, and seeing less people. So I've made that transition. It took a while. And now I'm like trying to prepare myself for like, hey, we still don't know how it's going to be in just a short few months, really. That's correct. And, you know, uh, for, for a lot of people, um, you know, and I talked to a lot of families um, all across the United States and different parts of the world. Uh, I still talk to a lot of, you know, part of my um, ability to connect with people is um, to build motivation and mm-hmm. to um, build strength within them uh, and to really, um, you know, find their, their inner selves to believe in themselves to overcome obstacles. You know, mm-hmm. um, I had a great support system. And if I could somehow be their support system uh, virtually, uh, mm-hmm. wherever they may be, I think that is uh, very, very important. Um, I always tell everyone, you know, uh, seniors at this time uh, and during that time or any time uh, is very beneficial to have that support system. Mm-hmm. And I love organizations that um, or that open their doors to allow people to use their phones to call in and, you know, and actually uh, sort of call in and check on them and provide, you know, just talk to them. Mm. Um, I had a privilege to talk to an 82 year old man who is a Dallas basketball, not Dallas basketball, but he's a coach and it's a legend, but he also played for the Lakers and, Mm. uh, talks about, you know, his, uh, you know, experience during all of this and um, the transition with the NBA and everything and talks about his family and, you know, we were doing business and then shifted it about him. And so mm-hmm. it was nice because that's what he needed. He needed somebody to talk to. And so I think that's what we all need. And it's not just for people with disabilities, but it's, it could be anybody. And if we just open our hearts and in that, and I think uh, technology is one way of doing that. But then again, technology has its flaws. Absolutely. And I, I want to dive more into this whole technology thing, because I know that you are the head of accessibility strategy and partnerships at this company called See Here Inc. That's can correct. You, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Can you just share more about what kind of technology this company is creating and how it's helping people with disabilities? So see here, uh, developed a patent uh, or a a collection of of things within the patent. And uh, basically, it's a new file format called CHIF. And CHIF stands for See Here Intelligent Format. And in that format, uh, it's basically a stilled image, audio, text, uh, metadata and the ability to include encryption. 
Mm. And it's basically, think of it as uh, an image uh, or in between an image and an MP3 file. And, um, and it's accessible to those with, uh, that are uh, blind or visually impaired or deaf and, and hard of hearing. Mm. And so today, think of social media, you're on your phone and you see images like on Instagram or if you're on TikTok or if you are uh, on Twitter when June they uh, released the audio tweets, mm-hmm. um, yet they didn't have transcriptions, but they're working towards that uh, to add transcriptions. Um, but the what we're doing is, you know, many of the sites today, websites or applications, we rely on images. But many of those images don't actually have embedded audio or embedded text. Mm. And so imagine a total uh, one complete file with an image and audio and text inside that image. Mm. And so imagine WhatsApp, you send in, today you send an image separately, audio separately and text separately. Whereas this one, you would send everything in one file. So uh, same thing visually. So that's that's what we did. And um, but um, you know, I lead that effort to promote the need for accessibility on websites and applications, uh, whether it's on social sites or uh, business sites, uh, in, in multiple verticals. But in a broader spectrum, I really focused on really educating the community of different verticals. And the biggest vertical is education. Uh, today, you know, for someone who I believe in investing in our children and investing in our youth, someone who has been in special education for most of my adult uh, life or childhood life, mm-hmm. um, and Technology was beneficial, but it had some weaknesses. And uh, if it was accessible enough to uh, accommodate certain types of users um, and in a way that was relatable or translatable uh, and, and a way that content was understandable or perceivable or operable, um, and, and by the way, I'm using those words from the World Wide Web Consortium. Um, and that is the uh, main con- uh, consortium that promotes the need for um, WCAG, which is uh, Web uh, Content Accessibility Guidelines that main organizations around the world focus on specific guidelines to accommodate different types of disabilities on the web. And so I know this is a lot of information from an accessibility standpoint, Mm. but a lot of developers today, UX designers, user interface, many of them in this professions. And that's why a lot of companies are hiring people in the tech space. And people are actually learning right now in universities. Um, And in fact, uh, we've done a class with SMU over the summer uh, with students on hands-on uh, design, and they learned about our technology and how it would integrate in different industries. And, and these are actual designers in different 
and professionals, different professionals and uh, that are designers. And so, you know, in technology today, people are learning about these things and how it would accommodate people with disabilities. And I would encourage anybody, if you're really wanting to emerge yourself in technology, or if you want to advance yourself in the world of accommodating people with disabilities and how you can make a social impact, or if you want to really get a job really quickly, this is one way to do it. And um, uh, the jobs are ever growing and tech companies are hiring nonstop. I know that because I'm seeing it left and right. And if you ever go onto my LinkedIn, you will see those jobs being posted quite a bit. And I be happy to make any referral if you ever need it. That's awesome, Dylan. I'm sure that there's going to be plenty of people listening who are going to be very intrigued. And what I think is so cool about everything you said is this technology, for somebody like me who doesn't have disabilities or who doesn't deal with disabilities like uh, deafness, being blind, any of these things, I don't think about the need for that accessibility for these people who have these disabilities to be able to use the social media that I get to enjoy every single day. What can we do? And you're doing it daily. So what can we do? What do you do to give more light to the need for this accessibility for these people? How can we increase the awareness of this? So, you know, and I'll be honest with you, when I first started tapping into accessibility technology in general, I, I had little information. However, you know, my, my niche was, and Tommy, you know this, my niche was employment. Mm. Um, I started with one thing and then had the curiosity to learn more about other things. Mm. And so it's all about curiosity. If you have the curiosity and the desire to want to know more, and just tap into something or read a book or just read something out of an article and investigate further, like being an investigator, just tapping into it, then it starts there. Um, but for me, I was also a networker. I am a power networker. I knew pretty much everybody in different verticals and I was able to build those relationships and talk to them up front and ask them specific questions. Um, and we see here, I was able, to, I knew the founder almost a decade or more, longer because of the relationships that we connected through, I believe it was MySpace days. Anyways, <laughs> uh, even though I'm young, I still remember the MySpace days. Um, but the, uh, anyway, so the, uh, off track there. But the, the, um, with the, the need for awareness for these things or, or, or just new to just the idea of tapping into this uh, of accessibility, you know, people need to realize is, you know, accessibility is, it's going to be an upward trend. Um, accessibility is a new thing um, for a lot of people. I think with COVID, uh, it woke up a lot of people to a lot of different doors that, uh, you know, a lot of things that never thought people would exist. You know, technology, um, you know, 
I ran for office last year um, talking about blended learning in schools. A lot of people didn't like it, but, you know, and I got a lot of heat for it. But now people are talking about blended learning more than ever before. But, you know, it was hybrid now. It's hybrid learning. It is a lot of work, but it takes patience. It takes time. It takes learning. It is fearful. Uh, people are fearful. And I, and I tell them, take fear away. Open yourself to learning. The more you're able to learn and open yourself to possibilities, um, the better you see things. and don't think about one segment of the population. Think about other verticals. Other, think about other ways it benefits different populations. Mm. Now, accessibility, um, you know, people, people think people with disabilities benefit the uh, specific populations that are often talked about, which is autism, uh, people with physical disabilities, maybe disabled veterans, you know, the names that are constantly heard on the news. Reality is people don't realize people that have medical conditions, people that have heart disease, those are classified disabilities. Uh, medical conditions may cause uh, uh, loss of uh, vision. You know, um, you know, people don't really, and I've said this earlier, people may have multiple disabilities and it is relatable to medical is relatable to eyesight is relatable to physical um and people may not realize you may have a disability without even self-identifying it and so um but in, in later in life we're all going to have some type of difficulty um we're all not perfect in life and so, uh, and that's an ongoing uh, saying uh, that's been saying for many years. Uh, it's nothing, anything different. But the, the idea of uh, with the need for uh, tapping into uh, the industry of accessibility and, 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 and really investing in this, Tommy, is that we need to divert our focus on really seeing the impact of what our future needs mm. it's really what our future needs today what is our current climate is and what can we what do we see in the next five years like you said earlier i don't know i know what today holds because a lot of people see what's going to happen today and over the next three three to six months Mm. Reality, what I see is what's going to happen in the next five years. Mm. That's my thought process. But today, people see what's happening today, tomorrow, and what's happening in the next three to six months. Mm. That's not the, the, the proper thought process. You need to think about what's happening today, tomorrow, a year, and five years. Because that's going to help you not only from a a uh, personal growth standpoint, a community standpoint, and a forward standpoint, because that way you prepare yourself. You know, that's what I did at a personal, as a community, and as a growth standpoint. And I'll be honest with you, 
two years ago when I tapped into technology, that was the single greatest thing I ever done. Because if I did not tap into technology two years ago, I would not be in a good position I am today. Mm. I would have been unemployed. I would have been uh, in, in a miserable state. Okay. I would have been listening to this podcast looking for help. Mm. Okay. That is the real facts. People need to always be prepared. And, um, and, and accessibility is the idea of thinking about ways we can think of access. Access is how do we prepare, plan, or actually, yeah, prepare, plan, and execute. Mm. Accessibility is, it deals with all of these things. Accessibility is, or access, uh, access, uh, no, I say access, accessibility, but really is in order to gain access, you have to prepare, you have to plan, you have to execute. Access also deals with communication. It also deals with all the different types of services. It also deals with all the different types of opportunities you want to receive or the people that need to receive those opportunities. Everybody deals with accessibility, one shape or another. And I thought I'd share that with you. It may or may not have answered your question. You may want to re-clarify that, but I just wanted to share that in a uh, different angle approach of what I think into your response to your question. No, I think that was brilliant, Dylan. Thank you for sharing all that. And you brought up so many interesting things from, you know, your belief in really pouring into the youth to you brought up you running for public office, which I wanted to dive into more. I, one of my questions going into this interview was actually to see, I know that you didn't win the election when you ran for public office, but I wanted to talk more about the impacts that you running for office had because you were able to bring light to this area that's not talked about much. I don't, like I said earlier, I don't think too much about accessibility because selfishly I don't struggle with accessibility in a lot of ways. And so that's why it's amazing to have a voice like yours on the podcast, to have a voice like yours running for public office, making people more aware of these things. And you actually mentioned something. You said um, when you were running for public office that you were really focusing on um, having a blended classroom or blended education. I forget exactly what the words were that you used, but yeah, can so you- blended learning and it's the idea learning. of having technology integrated uh, into learning and um, you know, broadening that scope of it. And uh, the idea of hybrid learning uh, incorporated that. And hybrid mm -hmm. learning is already incorporated in universities today, but more into K through 12 education. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. So I think that's brilliant. And I wanted to hear a little bit more about you too. And when you were growing up, going through the special education system through your high school, I saw online, you were recently, I think January, there's an article posted about you. Um, and you said that going through the special ed program, you were kind of floundering through school. I think that's the word that you used. Um, yep. Can you talk to the most difficult parts of going through the special ed program and how through blended learning or maybe you have other thoughts, we can improve that for kids going through that system? So 
let me say with the uh, education part, you know, education for everyone has different types of experiences. Uh, for me, um, I was part of different types of educational settings. Um, well, let me first say that, you know, I live in Plano, Texas, a suburb north of Dallas. And uh, Plano is recognized as one of the best um, school districts in uh, America and uh, in Texas, of course, but also uh, academically, really. Uh, but um, at the time when I graduated, special education was struggling. And, um, or at least for, for the part of my sake of my experiences, and my experiences were academically different and academically challenging in a way that I was not necessarily academically challenged. And what I mean by that is I wanted to be academically challenged and uh, was just never given the opportunity or the chance to be academically challenged. Mm. And so I encouraged people and everyone to among my peers uh, to actually speak up for their education. And there were three or four parts that I actually spoke up about. And that was one, uh, the need for building relationships between uh, the fewer uh, teachers that I had or coaches that I was involved in sports management, uh, especially in high school. And so I was a basketball manager and a football manager. And that was really helpful because academically in school was very frustrating. But in sports, I was, you know, in my natural habitat mm. of being friendly and sociable and just overall popular guy in school. But really the in the classroom, there was that disconnect. And so the... Uh, the need for having that, uh, building that relationship with certain teachers or having those mentors in that school was very, very important. Second was the need for having proper transitional guidance throughout the time in education. Um, that is key because reality is if you did not have that uh, proper transitional guidance um, during that time, you would not necessarily have, or, or an advocate during that time, you would not necessarily get the supports you need um, during that time. And it was actually me or myself advocating against everyone else. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, my parents did admit to their faults because they did believe in the teachers. They thought they were the professionals, even though they realized I struggled in college. Mm -hmm. uh, it transitioned in college. It, mm -hmm. it kind of occurred that I had to start over in college, which, is, which was true. And so um, they knew that they wished they had more, done more to advocate on my behalf as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that we have to do and that's what i do as my professional on the side is to be an advocate for families and for students and i encourage students to speak up on themselves 
That's why I encourage them to self-identify. I encourage them to be self-aware, boosting self-confidence, to advocate for themselves, whether it's academically or gaining access to um, accessible materials or accessible technology. In fact, I'm dealing with a case here regarding about accessible technology for testing or accessible testing materials uh, for need for uh, different things. So, you know, there's a lot of different needs that people with disabilities struggle with. Um, and then last but not least is really about um, speaking up is advocacy and or self-advocacy. Um, and that was the part that I talked about, uh, about, you know, me speaking up or, or having people with disabilities speak up. That is the one part that was, you know, frustrating that I had to do, even though it was the greatest part, because if I had not spoken up early, it would have still been, I would have actually dropped out of high school. Hmm. And it would have been still the worst decision I've made. Also, it would have been helpful emotionally and physically. But I think speaking up is the right, is the right thing to do. And I encourage anybody to speak up for their education. And that's why I published the book um, in 2012 about speaking up for your rights in education, whether it's special education, or speaking up for accessibility, uh, or advocating for someone you know, or a peer, um, or speaking up for, and that's why there's a lot of organizations doing a lot of good things of areas or specific areas of need that help specific individuals or groups of people on areas that could improve uh, specific causes. I share that. Mm. No, it's so great, Dylan. And you've got such a great heart, man. I saw that you were inducted into the Susan M. Daniels Disability Mentoring Hall of Fame, which is super cool. And you spoke to it a little bit before your organization, Dylan Listed, originally started out as an organization to connect disabled job seekers with employers, but then there was that transition made to really connecting with the families that you just spoke to and connecting to these mainly high school kids to help them transition into a work, the working world or perhaps into college. What was it that really sparked that transition for you? When did that, because I know it was about, I think 2013 is when Dylan Listed was started and then 2015, the transition happened. What occurred to you over those two years that caused that? You know, that's a very good question. And, and yeah, I think you're the first person to ask that question out of all the, the different articles and podcasts that I've been on. <laughs> um, and I'm glad you did because reality is I, I launched a um, uh, sort of a, a career site um, with Dentalistic. And uh, during that time, uh, and that was through a great investment a supportive investment and a risk that my parents were willing to take on my entrepreneurship journey. Um, and it was a hefty investment. Um, and, with a, and that's how I got investment into the startup industry in Austin, Texas. Um, 
at the time it was campus to careers uh, that we licensed a, a deal with uh, that was also invested into testing um, and like SATs, SATs, um, and helping college students transition into um, you know careers. Mm -hmm. We wanted to build that special education realm, uh, or basically persons with disabilities realm to help them into sort of that, you know, colleges and then into uh, careers. Um, so we built sort of a modified platform of theirs, which was exactly theirs, but in a way that we tweaked it completely different in ours. And it was not accessible at first, but we had it already in mind that we wanted to go that right we had to build sort of a minimal viable product mm -hmm. uh, and for people that don't know minimal viable product minimal viable product is to get the first initial version out there so people can see what you can build um, what your vision is from the first get-go and then you build multiple versions as you build and grow from there um, so we did a three-year agreement and um, and the second and a half years, we decided to leave. Uh, the reason is we were marketing so well uh, in the business community and we were actually getting nearly 5,000 jobs a month posted. Wow. Um, problem is families, governments in Texas mainly um, were disconnected. There was a lack of trust to online. Um, uh platforms uh lack of awareness lack of education i had to do a lot of talking a lot of speaking a lot of things and yeah i wish there was a thousand dylans so i can really go to a lot of different communities to do that mm. problem is i probably had to do nearly a million dollars of marketing across the u.s to get there but we only had about a thousand seekers around uh, US on our site. But guess what? We only had five seekers, job seekers uh, in Texas. Everywhere else was in different parts of US. Uh, US. Most of it was in Florida. So the, the thing is, it's kind of sad that in my home state, it was different. So mm. there, there was a lot of different challenges that we had to figure out how to minimize and, and, and focus and, and struggle. So I had an entrepreneur had to figure out how to mitigate as challenges and minimize, mitigate risk. So as an entrepreneur, I had to think one thing. Another thing I had to think about how to impact the community. And another thing is, what can I do to move forward? See, that's what I was telling you earlier. How do I think about growth? How do I think about the next year? How do I think about the next five years? Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. I decided it's time to go one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. That's what I said. I need to go one-on-one, -on -one, meet every organization, meet every person, learn how I can impact them one by one. And that's what I did. And and I'll be honest with you, it took, it actually rap, it went rapid fire because people started communicating 
to others. And, and now, and I'll be honest with you, I'm getting about 100 emails a week from people. Um, it's a lot more work than my end. Um, I, I did take a lot, a lot of roles. I'm on about 30 different roles at the moment. Um, and, and people tell me I'm crazy, but reality is I, I believe in power of knowledge, power, power of information, how to share, uh, share uh, where I can share information, and, but also uh, be informed, educated enough to the point where I can empower our community to move forward. And I believe in increasing the quality of life where we can increase growth, growth opportunities and services so people with disabilities can advance. And so that's my belief, whether it's sports, whether it's health, whether it's housing, transportation, employment, technology, accessibility, whatever that may be, that's what I'm here to do. So I'll tell you in 2015, that was the single best decision I've ever made. Um, it was the toughest decision. Um, I still have that sort of template trifold that I had, that idea that I founded in 2013. Um, we're not there yet, um, but I can tell you that there's so many great advocates across the United States that are doing so incredible things. I just wish that one day we can sort of have a, a UN, United Nation of mm -hmm. Disabilities coming together and um, sort of present that trifle and build it uh, in that way so we can move that platform together, that portal that I had, and and really create that meaningful impact because we're going to need it in 10 years or so. Um, but today, unfortunately, we're still a long way to go. Yeah. Well, with all the work you're doing, man, we will get there for sure. Yes, I, I believe that. Um, I want to touch more on the, I want to touch more on your vision and how you always look into the future by five years or so in just a second. But before we go there, I just wanted to ask you, with all this work you're doing, mentoring, one-on-one, -on -one, meeting with families, is that something that, and I might know the answer based on some things you said earlier, but is that something you experienced at all when you were in school? No. Mm. Yeah. Uh, no. So the, uh, the shortest, and yeah, no, uh, the, the reason I said, I had a good pause there. So I had to think about that because, um, most of my school time, and I, I'm curious to know why you asked that question. So, the 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 and then it's a difficult answer because uh, most of the uh, you kind of uh, you kind of kind of got me thinking on that question because I, I I do have a moment of time that uh, uh, where I. And, and I, I, it's an emotional one because the uh, part that uh, I struggle with, and and I just and I don't want people with disabilities to uh, think about this because that's uh, 
a struggle that I had early on. And, um, you know, my parents uh, hated this part because, uh, you know, they always say, Dylan, why are you always locking yourself in the room? And uh, it's because, you know, I was very sociable in school. And, and this was before high school. And that's why sports brought out, uh, it, it brought out uh, something after school that I think more people wanted to actually invite me over in some things. They wanted to be friends and, and do things that um, were not necessarily done before high school. And so um, it was for the most part uh, difficult. And I was lucky to have a good friend in Dylan. His name is Dylan Salisbury. He called me Raft Daddy. Yeah, um, <laughs> Daddy. Um, and that's a nickname that still is occurring to this day. Um, but, um, and, and people, some of them don't like the word daddy, they just call me RAF, uh, R-A-F. Um, but, um, but anyway, so RAF daddy is a, is a trend that some people call me. Uh, I still laugh about it. But, um, but no, it, it's emotional because I do remember being lonely and I would listen to sad music. In fact, I have uh, headphones. You probably don't see it, but I have headphones. And I, and, I, and I still have sad music in my phone because I'm reminded of it. And then I think about times where, and I think about, and, I, and this sad music, I only do it because it allows me to release emotions uh, of, of uh, moments that people uh, struggle with. And uh, there are times that I struggle with uh, depression and there were times that I struggled with uh, loneliness. And, and I, I know that people with disabilities struggle with that too. And I did not have that relationship uh, with other people. And people always tell me, Dylan, why do you not have people over? Well, because there's that, um, it's that image that sometimes people portray of me. And so, um, and sometimes I have to be protective of that image. And so um, now it's, it's, it's changed obviously, but, I think that, you know, whereas today I, I try to reach out to people with disabilities and their families in a way where I don't want them, especially youth, to not be in that kind of environment mm -hmm. and see that there's people out there that may have lived it, may not say it to them, but may have lived those moments and I don't want them to live those moments like I've had them. So I'm just curious why you asked that question, but hopefully that answered your uh, question at the beginning. It absolutely did. And, uh, you know, the reason that I asked the question was, I think more of a, a surface level uh, response to that would be, I see the work that you're doing, I hear about the work you're doing, and I wanted to know what the motivator was for you to be doing that. And um, from a more personal experience, 
I just remember my times going through school and the kids who are in the special ed program are so is secluded the right word are just they're separate from everybody else and so I can only imagine that it's that much more difficult to get through high school high school already sucks for a lot of people um but when you're secluded uh segregated might have been a better word that's incredibly difficult so to have somebody like you coming in and and mentoring them and being able to relate with them there's so much beauty and power in that and so i'm just really glad you shared that i'm so glad you're doing that and your story made me think we had a gentleman on the podcast last week named Tom McSheehy and he had this quote where he encouraged people to think about what triggers them think about where there's pain in their life and to dive into it think more about it see see what's in there because he was like if you mine for it there is gold in there and your story is a beautiful example of there being gold in that pain because you have those painful memories and you don't want kids to feel like that you don't want them to have that experience and so you're taking action and you're helping people and i just love that so thank you so much for that dylan and then there's another moment as well and and i'll explain this because this is real for many adults too and that is a lot of adults today struggle with access to services, especially um, state-provided services. Um, you know, many people rely on Medicaid or mm-hmm. Medicare or Social Security benefits, or some of them rely on, you know, access to public, local public services, or something people just want access to information, mm-hmm. just simple information that should be readily publicly available or it should be readily publicly available online. And so one of the things that worries a lot of people is why had they heard it in the first place? And I remember doing that in the first place. I remember on the phone call, many I get on many state and national calls, and I remember early on, and I would tell people, how come I never answer those calls? How come I never heard that information before why does nobody ever feed that information before again as someone who's a leader in this space and who's someone who dives into it i have calls recently in the last month of older gentlemen or uh, women who shared those frustrations with those same questions as someone who was 21, 22, about eight years ago, asked those very same questions. And I realized, is this a repeat of what I'm already doing? What could I be doing better? Mm. But reality, what I'm trying to do is, I keep telling people, I'm trying to open new doors. I'm trying to set a pavement. I'm trying, it's kind of like those machines that have the big wheels where they put concrete on and they set those wheels. It's not rocky. I'm trying to clear clear pavement so where people can just walk right through mm. and or row right through to where they don't have to go through a rocky mountain. 
or um, a creek door that they have to try to peek in. People will already know what they need to do. People will already know what they have to ask for. People already have the information. People need access to information. Same mm -hmm. thing for you. If it was your grandparent, your father, your mother, or yourself in 10 years, whatever it may be, people should have people that are leaders who can have uh, great connections and educate them on new information. And that's what I strive to do. And um, I know that I have work to do, but I just thought I'd share that with you because it just reminds me of the more work we need to do. Mm -hmm. If you're in any leading position or if anybody that's learning in this podcast, I, I tell people, if you're in a position of power and if you, one thing you have the ability to do is to empower, educate, and inspire people to sort of inspire new people, empower them with the tools and resources, educate them on ways to sort of in, inform the next generation of people of information and resources and so forth. Don't just be good at what you do and then leave mm -hmm. and expect somebody else to do this, you know, run with it. Mm -hmm. We need to sort of help our community and empower our community, educate them with the tools and resources, um, and inspire our next generation, um, you know, give our community the, the, the tools that they need to succeed, uh, you know, bring in new people, bring in, you know, I just feel that there's ways that we can to do better. And, um, and I just, and I just thought I'd share that because um, there's a lot of ways we can improve, whether it's at a government level, in a community, in a nonprofit, uh, whether it's in a school or in any capacity. And I, I just share that is because I'm not saying it for me. I'm saying it for your own well-being. If you seek to inspire to do good, uh, that's one way to do it. No matter how high of a capacity you're in, or just as a person in your own small town or in a large city, I think anybody can do good by just impacting one person at a time. Absolutely, completely agree. And Dylan. You engage, empower, and inspire every day. You inspire me. Uh, you've taught me so much just from a couple conversations. And I just want to commend you for doing all the groundwork that you're doing. Because you spoke earlier about, I said I wanted to get to your whole idea or your way of looking at your vision being five years out. That is, it's brilliant. It's it's the smart way to look at life, you know, look at, you said today, tomorrow, a year, five years so that you can plan and set yourself up to be where you want to be or where you want your organization to be, whatever it is. It's, it translates to so many areas of life, but it's so hard because when you are doing the work that you're doing, when you're laying down the foundation of this stuff so that you pave the way for the people who are coming later, um, it's new territory you're looking five years down the road there. It's intimidating because who knows what it's going to look like five years down the road, but you have this vision and you're taking your courage and your heart and just 
paving the way. So I'm, I wanted to get back to that. I think that's just an amazing thing. I love the way that you look at that. Um, and it's going to pay big dividends for people five years from now, 10 years from now. I can't wait to see the impacts of the work that you're doing now in 20 years. It's going to, you're changing the world, man. Well, thank you, Tommy. And, and, and I just want to tell people five years, it's really not that hard as long as you set expectations for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like your parents setting expectations for you. If you set expectations for you of how to get somewhere or setting a plan or a business plan or go action plan, you'll get there. That's mm-hmm. all I got to say. I love it. Well, Dylan, I want to respect your time. I so appreciate you coming on the podcast. And before I let you go, how can people connect with you? How can they support the work that you're doing? So I finally built uh, just a generic uh, website of, uh, of myself. Um, it's been something that I've been wanting to do for some time. But, uh, but basically, people can look me up at DylanRafferty.com, which is D-Y-L-A-N-R-A-F-A. T is in Tom Y dot com. And then they can uh, email me at Dylan D Y L A N at Dylan D Y L A N R A F A T Y dot com. So Dylan at Dylan Rafferty dot com. Fantastic. I love it. And Hey, I've heard that you're a Mavs fan. Good luck to them in the playoffs. I mean, Luca had an amazing game last night. They still didn't get the W, but We'll see what happens. Well, the refs, uh, the refs uh, rigged that uh, injection on Kristaps. Uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't like the Clippers at all. They're uh, no offense to LA. I like I like the the people of LA. Um, I don't like the Lakers either, but <laughs> the people of LA I love. Um, the the teams I don't. But um, you know, it's yes, I do like basketball. I love it. Well, Dylan, thank you again. Great talking to you. And just, I wish you the best. And thanks for all that you do. I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you really enjoyed that interview with Dylan. He's the man. Go and check out all that he's doing. Go to his website. Support him. The work he's doing is incredible, it's inspiring, and I'm so grateful that he came on the podcast and shared his heart. He, he was so vulnerable and provided so much value to me in my life, and I just hope the same for you in your life. Please feel free to share this episode with anybody that you think would enjoy it or would benefit from it, and if you have a chance, I would love if you went and left a review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Five star, one star. I want to hear what your thoughts are. I want to improve. I want to get better at this thing. I want to provide more value for you. So again, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back with another episode next Saturday. Peace.